0: Welcome to another Love from the Hip presents Go Beyond the Veil. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, intuitive energy healer, and your host, Sakura Sutter. I am also the host of Love from the Hip.
1: And I'm transformational coach, author, and your host, Roy Reich. This show is created to put your skepticism of the unknown to rest and to make spiritual sense. Today on Go Beyond the Veil, we're excited to have author, research historian, and Sasquatch enthusiast, Greg Walter, on our show.
0: Greg Walter is an entrepreneur research historian and U.S. Coast Guard veteran and merchant mariner who spends most of his time hiking trails all over the Pacific West region. Greg has a keen interest in the history and mapping of our most treasured assets, our public lands. His historical collection includes a copious amount of books, maps, photos, and ephemera, all with a focus on regional history, Native American ethnographies, and the history of the U.S. Forest Service and National Park Service. Greg is also a map historian, with a collection numbering into the thousands, consisting of a special emphasis on U.S. Forest Service history and much more. He serves on the board of the Crater Lake and Oregon Caves Natural History Association. In addition, he has accomplished contractual work for the National Park Service. In reports of the trail systems around the Greater Oregon Caves Area and the National Park Service, acquisition of a separate collection of material Germain to the Oregon Caves area.
1: Tales of wild, hairy humanoids exist throughout the world, and such creatures appear in the folklore of North North America, including the mythologies of its indigenous people. We are, of course, referring to Bigfoot, also commonly referred to as Sasquatch, the ape-like creature with over 10,000 reported sightings in the continental United States alone. Many attempts have been made to provide the existence of Bigfoot, including claims of visual observations, as well as alleged video and audio recordings, photographs, and multiple casts of enormous footprints. Bigfoot is also an icon within the fridge subculture of cryptozoology and an enduring element of popular culture today. But does Bigfoot really exist? If so, what are these creatures and how have they remained so elusive to the general public? Stay tuned for more of this episode of Go Beyond the Veil where we'll answer these questions and dive deeper into Bigfoot with our guest, Greg Walter.
2: a A health crisis is one of the most challenging situations we will experience in our lifetime. It leaves us frightened, confused, and asking, why did this happen to me? Transformational coach Rory Reich experienced his healing crisis when the life he had so carefully constructed came crumbling down around him. The universe had offered him a challenge. He chose to accept it and to rediscover who he was before it was too late. In his book, Transform Yourself Through Disease, Rory shares his personal journey alongside eight practical steps to help those who are stuck realize their self-impairing beliefs and discover ways of transforming them so they can reclaim their health and create the life of their dreams. Don't let your health crisis define you. Take the next step and transform yourself today. For a free life coaching consultation, contact Rory at roryrice.com that's r o r y r e i c h .com
3: what would it be like to
2: deeply remember the secrets of your soul so that you can travel the unknown with confidence and genuinely sit back relax enjoying life without all the everyday worries i'm jenderson a mystic mentor who guides you to align and amplify your soul's true mission Healing, clarity around your next steps, release unresolved guilt, agreements, and karma so that you can fulfill your purpose and reach your utmost potential while experiencing true freedom. Awaken the soul power within you today with me, Gender Shen. Learn more at gendershen.com, that's J-E-N-D-U-C-H-E-N-E.com hypnotherapy helps you discover and explore deep sustainable life changes let sakura guide your communication with your unconscious mind rid yourself of negative behaviors fears pains and emotions weight loss smoking childhood drama chronic pain and much more can be addressed begin healing now learn more sakura skin and mind.com s-a-k-u-r-a
0: skin and mind.com bring out the healthy way of thinking you didn't know you had. Down. Welcome back to this episode of Love from the Hip presents Go Beyond the Veil. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, intuitive energy healer, and your host Sakura Sutter.
1: And I'm transformational coach, author, and your host Roy Reich. Join us here on KKNW every second Wednesday of each month, and every second Sunday on KBKW, and also on Cape Town Zone Radio, as we try to put your skepticism to rest and make spiritual sense. Today we have the pleasure of having author research historian, and Sasquatch enthusiast, Greg Walter, on our show.
0: Howdy, Greg. Hey, Greg. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for being here today. Can you share with all of our listeners where you're joining us from?
4: Uh, from Southern California. I'm down in the in the sunny part and uh, in a city where there's a lot of trees and a lot of owls.
0: <laughs> awesome.
4: So uh, when did you first get interested in Bigfoot? Oh, that dated back um it's almost like asking when did i first get interested in forests um, <laughs> um, yeah so it dated back you know, you know obviously living in oregon and it was really based on and part of the book i write about this on my first road trip north and us going up to a to kind of a sacred area uh, the same area that i would return to actually um, years and years later and nearby i might even consider moving there Um, you know, once I'm, once I'm finished here in Southern California. And so, and so that's, but it's a fantastic area up there. It's a Klamath-Siskiyou region, which encompasses the borderlands of Northern California and Southern Oregon. And that's just become my sort of soup du jour as far as the local history, the, the public land history, obviously the natural history and then it's spilling into uh, myth and and creation lore.
0: Yeah. And the creation of Bigfoot. <laughs> so Indeed. how would you describe what Sasquatch is?
4: Well, as far as my research goes, I mean, this launches into a larger question as far as, you know, it's almost like asking, do you believe?
0: Okay, well, of course. One.
4: And then also, are they real, you know, and that's, that's probably the other. Um, I feel like in all of my research and everything that I've kind of concluded towards is that they have the ability to come in and out of our world. And I've heard the author Ron Moorhead mention about them being hybrid aliens. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's some, that there's some truth to that. Uh, It's the one part of science we still have that is so unknown and that's our workings around um, whether that's cosmology or the universe at large Um, there was a cool story that happened just recently in early july where it dealt with the hadron collider there in switzerland or outside of switzerland um or yeah in switzerland Um, and it um and it's where they discovered some new particles Mm -hmm. and Those, I believe, are the steps, the building blocks towards us learning more on dimensional theory and how that would work. So would you Um, say
0: then, because I've had a lot of guests come on uh, reporting about Sasquatch and Bigfoot, would you say that Sasquatch is more more of a hybrid alien than a primate?
4: well yes i would uh and i and i and i dare to venture to go there just based on the fact that because i'm also somehow i've developed into a bigfoot skeptic as far as the fact that we have no physical evidence Mm -hmm. there's nothing in the fossil record on these guys um they point to the the giant orangutan you know the Australopithecus black guy um you know and yeah and so this is the thing about the fossil record is that is that Pretty much everything we've ever found, unless it's some microorganism. I mean, this is where you get into the cryptozoology and the animals that we've never discovered yet, mm-hmm. but they ain't very big. <laughs> yeah, and, um, you know, and I have a friend that's that's a mycologist that actually one of her one of her grad students found it was an unknown species of mushroom growing under a log in a stream in a certain area in the in the Southern Cascades. And it was an unknown species okay little mushrooms yay big you know, the size of a marble growing under a log yeah okay i could see where that could slip by the radar <laughs> um, but 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 here we've got this 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 eight to ten foot biped you know running around the cutover forests of the pacific northwest largely going unnoticed being mm. incredibly elusive and with no evidence and so the only thing we have that stands in the way of all this is the sightings and the footprints
0: right
4: and, And so, you know, and so, so when you ask if I believe, yes, I do, but I don't think we know the full story. So have you
1: had an encounter with Bigfoot? And if so, uh, when was that? And can you briefly tell us about
4: it? Sure. That was back in the mid nineties. So a long time ago in a land, not very far away. (laughs) Um, It was something that I was on a backpack trip. I basically years later i would piece together what had happened it took me years to figure this out and that was studying native lore that was that was also that was also um talking with some of the tribal elders and 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 people like this about what i experienced and so i went to one place did a little prayer um they call it cry for luck and um so i cried for luck didn't know it at the time and I was just in this real emotional place. And in my mind, you know, um, I kind of, you know, what would it be like to run into one of these Bigfoot things? You know, like this. I had it at the back of my mind. I didn't really think much of it, but I was on my way on this trip. I was by myself. I didn't have a gun. Um, I had a small flashlight, a little, you know, a little paring knife with me to pick a mushroom or two. Not that I'd run across one, but, but anyways. Um, And then from there, like night number two, I went to a place, camped, um, went to a spring, saw this beautiful salamander in the spring, picked him up, and in my mind, I'm reflecting back on my childhood where I had one of these as a pet, and I loved it dearly, and so I really appreciated seeing this guy, and I put him back in the spring very, very gently, went went forward, spent the night there, went to my next place where I would have this encounter And so, and that was, and that was about a two minute encounter with one of these things. It was definitely bipedal, very athletic and, um, and it stared at me hard.
0: Were you afraid?
4: Yes. I mean, you you know, it was aberrant. I didn't expect to run across, you know, a hairy biped, (laughs) Um, even though moments before, actually about two hours before I found a footprint that was just perfect. (laughs) Um, sorry, I didn't bring my plaster of Paris. I didn't have <laughs> my bigfoot kit and all this. Right. You no, know, but um, but but yeah. At any rate, it was a it was a very interesting encounter that night. Um,
0: that's yes. awesome. So I have come to find that every bigfoot enthusiast is a skeptic first, but also mm-hmm. that every bigfoot enthusiast brings in their own knowledge that's valuable to the continued research of bigfoot. Mm-hmm. And you yourself has have a, an extensive study of maps and public lands. How has that lended to your knowledge and research of Bigfoot and perhaps their ideal habitat?
4: Hmm. Um, well, the, the maps, I mean, here, I'll show you an example of kind of what I like to collect. This is of the Pike National Forest. And um, and it just kind of shows like some of these early Brochures, pamphlets—you know—the physical map from from the 1910s, and this is when it was pretty nascent out on the land. As far as not many trails, you know, and the trails that were there were usually pack trails going to a mine or something like this. So there was a purpose for it. and obviously packed trails into roads fire lookouts all of these developments within the national forest system that happened over the years the trails peaked out in the 1930s and then from there we stepped into the war years and then after that they made huge inroads pun intended with logging and um, you know dragging out natural resources aside from minerals And so that was so that was some changes there. But but as far as um, what it what it did for me was it showed me the trails not traveled and it showed me places that people just don't go. And a lot of these are like these mid elevation ridgelines rather than like the high mountain lakes and these scenic scenic peaks that everybody loves to pile into. Um, No, I want to go to the forested ridgelines where you'd be lucky to find a pond. Mm. Um, but it's truly at the wild heart of nature it's where it's where you're going to see more animal life just more activity and you know so i thought that intrigued me the most um but in later years i would realize that basically i was walking in their church (laughs) so
0: yeah i can imagine
1: yeah so let's talk about your book um ridge walkers in two worlds who is it intended for
4: um, everybody really, you know, I mean, anybody that's a Bigfoot enthusiast, let me pan out on that. Um, yeah. So anybody that's a Bigfoot enthusiast, I'm, I'm displaying my book right now, Ridgewalkers in two <laughs> worlds by Craig Walter. Um, yeah. And, you know, but I want to say it could reach out to the YA audience, more or less like the older, maybe college age, you know, just because some of my vocabulary I use is a little bit, you know, they might have to Google some words.
0: <laughs> that's good for them. <laughs>
4: well, yeah, and so, and so, but otherwise, it's a, it's, a, it's basically, it's a magic realism, and it's based upon my life. And what I tried to do was blend fact with fiction, and so to jump in and out of that world, um, and then obviously the elements of story, where you have romance, the antagonist, the protagonist. Mm-hmm. You know, what does he want? What, what, what does he accomplish? Um, you know, does he fulfill what he's supposed to? You know, does the story come full circle, like this?
1: Yes. Um, Yeah. So why did you write the book?
4: Uh, Well, it was going to be a series of stories about my my own family's past, which is very rich, dates back to the 1640s in America. Um, All kind of military related stuff. And then from there, you know, silly Greg has to go off on this tangent with Bigfoot. Um, (laughs) You know, I come from a family of veterans. Um, And that dates back to to a guy named Benoni Grant, all the way back to the Seven Years' War into the American Revolution, um, a 200-acre land grant in New York. But I would base it more like on my grandfather and his service in both World War I and World War II, nationalist uprising in China. And then my uncle Leo, his time in Korea, having most of his company wiped out. Um, And then he goes on into Rangers or Airborne Rangers, meets his best friend. He gets washed out. But my but his best friend goes on into Special Forces, Vietnam. We have letters, maps, photographs of all of that. And it is horrid. (laughs) So a lot of it's
1: factual. How much of the book uh, actually happened?
4: Okay, so in my book, Bridgewalkers, probably probably 50 percent. you know i mean it's not like you know it's not like i visited the other world i didn't step through any portals or anything like this um yeah you know, <laughs>
1: yeah it's still early
0: yeah,
4: Right. right working on that. Um, you know um but but at any rate yeah it was something that you know my encounter with with the sasquatch is basically all there i mean i wrote it up as actually my personal encounter that i wrote up in the beginning of the book that people can read upon and yeah. and it it just gives insight as to what what my personal experience was because people love to know. Okay, you wrote this book about Bigfoot. What do you know? Right. Mm-hmm. And you know, and the thing that I really drew into was the native lore. Studying that native lore, taking it into like the university library level, um into doctoral theses. You know, work like this. And the information's buried in in the lore, or it's or it's buried in a lot of these. These written works it's just hard to find
0: i like how you pretty much intertwined all of the things that you like right yes it's essentially and so now you you mentioned the little people in your in your book and your novel who are the little people
4: okay i break it off into three different categories you got you've got people afflicted with dwarfism like this that that's basically a medical ailment um, you know, they're obviously in the fossil record. We know them, you know, and so forth. Um, then there's small people, and I could use an example. Oh, I need to drag it up here. Um, here it is. This is the National Geographic Homo Flor- florenciae and, um, and, and this is an example in, in Indonesia where they have little people but they're in the fossil record we have bones of them we have we have skulls and so forth like this um yeah and that's that's throughout the that's throughout the world there's pygmitos which is a type of pygmy um you know like this then the third category is the one that's the most amazing and that is the spiritual ones and these are where it's like imagine half lizard half human half deer half human uh, they stand maybe two and a half, three feet tall. Um, they are the immortals. they're like the gods. And what the little people do for it's kind of like Bigfoot. Imagine Bigfoot as Jesus and the little people as God. And yeah you know, and that's that's kind of it it's funny how humanity interprets spirituality. you know, who are our gods and heroes, and to the native tribes, who were their gods and heroes? Um, and that's asked in the in the book Ishi by um, by Theodore uh, Kroeber. and um, you know, and that's that's a that's dealing with the Yahi tribe, Central California.
0: So you're saying that the little people actually work with Bigfoot?
4: Yes. Well, or some combination thereof. I mean, how does Jesus work with God? Yeah. You know, vice versa. How does God work? And you see, the little people also what they did was they arguably taught the natives how to live on the land sustainably so they could survive and the bigfoot the from my understanding in this is that is that and this is what was so weird was that i had this elder tell me you know this little story about this where basically they go up to these areas and they do there's prayer spots there's there's preparations they have to do to go up there it takes years to learn how to do this and um and if they see a salamander in a spring that they know they're on the right path well that stopped me right there because i never mentioned anything about a salamander and i even forgot about it until this fellow mentions it Hmm. went oh my god it's like a puzzle piece just went clink (laughs) into place and that the salamander is not a salamander at all what it is is they're a water baby um i.e little people shape-shifted into this into this this earthly form And um, and from there, that's like the gatekeeper. You know, he's the one that says you're in, you know, and then and then from there you go to the next place. And what you do, you know, if I would have had the knowledge to do this, is you sing a song of introduction and then you sing a song seeking knowledge. So when that thing was approaching or it was doing a semicircle around me, that's when I'd sing the song of introduction And then I would sing a song seeking knowledge, and we would either communicate in a native tongue or communicate telepathically, and they portend the future. That's why they also call them the teachers. Mm -hmm. What they do is they would tell, you know, like salmon are not going to run next year. What are you going to do for your food supply? There's going to be a blight on acorns or, you you know, another food supply problem. Um, you know, so, how are you going to feed everybody?
0: So the elders consult the the little people, is what you're saying. Now, do they exist then on another dimension? The little people.
4: I it wouldn't surprise me if they're able to jump in and out of it just like just like Sasquatch could. You know, um, they have that they have that level of smart. Yeah. You yeah. know, and
0: and do they, to the elders. do they make themselves visible to everyone, or is it for special reason?
4: Oh, it's probably for a special reason yeah yeah because otherwise they're very hidden you know um it's sort of like the dark watchers the little people of big sur where Mm -hmm. you know they're actually these shadowy figures on a ridge line that stand 15 feet tall never mind the 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 pathway of the sun or in other words like the trajectory of the sun on the fogs on the ridge line or on the fog on the ridge lines that then portray their shadow as these 15 foot things when really they're probably two feet tall Mm -hmm smart very smart
1: so have you had your own experience with the little people
4: well insofar as the fact i got to hold one (laughs) maybe (laughs) i thought it was a salamander you know and so and so i can't you know um i mean i wish i could say oh yeah oh yeah we you know we talked about like what's your favorite coffee (laughs) yeah and so and so you know but but remember giant salamanders they're the king in their world i mean they kind of owned the place
0: what did and, you feel in that experience
4: oh it flashed me back to my childhood and i think this thing could read that you know that i'm thinking back of my childhood you know my salamanders i had a name for them
2: mm-hmm. you know
4: and they were giant salamanders just like this guy and um and this is a terrestrial one so it wasn't an aquatic one you know with the with a bigger tail and gill yeah. and so forth. Yeah. So
0: interestingly, a lot of people believe that Sasquatch helps us to connect with our environment as humans. Do you think the little people also then it sounded like we're helping you to connect with your true self?
4: Definitely. Yeah. And also, and also to nature. I mean, it's this, this guy's all about nature. You know, there's no, you know, sorry, he's not pro oil and let's, you know, right. let's mine for some metal or something. No. Okay.
0: Okay. Well, with that, we're going to take another break. But everyone stick around for more Go Beyond the Veil.
3: The passing of our loved ones always proves to be very challenging, but can be met with ease when working with someone who can hold space, compassion, and especially someone who works across the veil. Allow Sakura Sutter, multidimensional channeler and intuitive medium, to be your spiritual guide with the other side. No matter if you choose to communicate with your transitioned loved ones to help you with the grieving process, or connect with spiritual, galactic, and other light beings to explore and dive in more on your spiritual path, Sakura can assist you. Not only does Sakura channel insightful messages, but she also incorporates her metaphysical tools to help you move through blocks and unprocessed emotions and feelings, providing you with a closure, relief, and new mindset to move forward. So don't hesitate to take your first step towards healing so you can start living your life once again. Remote sessions available. Contact Sakura at sakurasutter.com That's S-A-K-U-R-A-S-U-T-T-E-R dot com.
0: without clogging your pores. Irritation, inflammation, redness, post-procedure sensitivities, no problem. With Estera Skincare Mist, you can continue about your day without the skin dismay. Acne, rosacea, psoriasis, sunburns, rashes, and fungus, don't let these skin concerns inconvenience you. Instead, let Estera Skincare Mist allow you to be happy in the skin you're in. Available at Sakura Skin and Mind. Learn more at estheracare.com. That's E-S-T-H-E-R-A care.com. Welcome back to another Love from the Hip presents Go Beyond the Veil. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, intuitive energy healer, and your host, Sakura Sutter.
1: And I'm transformational coach, author, and your host, Roy Reich. Don't forget to follow and like us on Facebook as well as Instagram and check out our podcast on SoundCloud. Today, we have the pleasure of having author, research historian, and Sasquatch enthusiast, Greg Walter on our show.
0: So, Greg, before the break, you were talking about the little people, and I was hoping that you can share with our listeners a a book, a resource where they can learn more. Oh, well. Aside from your own book. (laughs) Yes. A friend of mine,
4: um, John Roth, there's one out there called American Elves, and it's an encyclopedia of the little people based on 380 ethnic groups throughout the Western Hemisphere. And so, which is really amazing to think that I mean, first of all, half the book is bibliography. Mm-hmm. Uh, the yeah. other, the other component to this too is that that's only part of the world. What about the rest of the world? And so, that's what's so interesting with this is that the lore of these things are are throughout the world. Yeah. And there's another book that was written. It was called a field guide to the little people, and this one was um, all about there was about 78 or 79 different examples all around Europe, the UK, Germany, Italy, you know, like this. And, you know, and so, and so, and once again, very rich in, in the lore of these things, there was an example I remember reading about how that the Irish used to leave they had an altar for the little people and they would leave gifts and little, little trinkets and stuff like this. And that was, that was co-opted or taken away and replaced with statues of the saints hmm. and here comes organized religion step <laughs> the picture right you know okay. and the little people in our culture look no further than a box of lucky charms yeah you know, there's, there's your leprechaun
0: so you had touched on the purpose of the little people i was hoping that you could go more into the purpose of sasquatch hmm,
4: okay uh that one as far as as far as origins and you know like our first contact with them and stuff it, it really wasn't that long ago it became increasingly popular there in the 1960s and keep in mind that was at a time where we were logging heavily all over the greater pacific northwest through the 50s and 60s post post world war ii era um there was also but going back in time we would have these occasional sightings of these things fur trappers seeing one or you know something like this but very scant evidence on the native side it was interesting because they only dated back maybe a thousand, maybe two thousand years. They didn't go back that far into their own creation lore, and so and so there's a there's kind of a gap there, as far as you know the existence of Bigfoot back, say, five thousand years ago or longer.
0: Mm-hmm. And it would, it would seem too that the interest kind of go, fades in and out based on pop culture too.
4: Sure.
1: Right. Yeah. So but
4: that's contemporary.
1: Yeah. So. Um... Why do you think and how are they so elusive
4: oh i i think that they just know the landscape really really well and they know how to avoid us and also i don't think it's that big of a i don't think it's all that much difficult for them to do that given the fact that we don't spend much time out there on the land ourselves. That's why people like hunters or, you know, like a bow hunter where he's tracking an animal sometimes for days, you know, he's down in the brush, right in the mud. And, um, and he's the one that's most likely to get a glimpse of say the little people or a Sasquatch, Um, you know, and, but as far as a sighting like that, It gets, it gets kind of sketchy because there's a lot of bear out there and, you know, if a standing bear is walking or doing something weird, you know, that could easily be, you know, something, something people remember. Um, Not that that happens often, but you run across a lot of bear.
0: So do you you think that Bigfoot doesn't want to be seen? You said?
4: Definitely not. No, yes. But at the
0: same time, do they want to work with us?
4: well i think yeah if you approach them correctly and and like i say that's why i think shamans and even like the most evil entity we have like wendigos or or you know the skinwalkers or any of that i think at one time or another there was a shaman that knew how to connect with those Mm -hmm. things knew how to communicate um it's an approach and you've got to do it just right yeah so what do you think their purpose is ultimately well, I think that they're similar to being a teacher, or their goal is to help man live on the land sustainably, so they can survive. Because um, a lot of places are very inhospitable to to have something like our something of our size live sustainably on that piece of land. Um, that's why when you look at that picture, like on the National Geographic of the Homo floresiensis, why they shrank? You know, why is it that that we have these small people in, say, Indonesia and Borneo? And but then you look at their food source, and that probably that's coevolution in in progress there, so they can survive on that on that land. And that's a tropical jungle. Hmm. So yeah.
0: So I wanted to ask. Um, I. A lot of Bigfoot researchers believe that they actually bury their dead, which is why we haven't found any remains, and that also we haven't really found their scat because they tend to go in the waters, or that we we confuse it with bear scat. What's your take? What do you believe?
4: It's a difficult one. Um, You know, you know first of all, if you've ever gone out with physical archaeologists on the land, you know, I mean, these guys can find shards out in the middle of nowhere. They can find you know, stuff that easily I would have walked right by, you know, but it, but but their eye is trained to pick up this stuff. And so, but as far as finding skulls and stuff, I mean, there was an example, I think Lovelock Cave in Nevada, where they had a skeleton and some skulls and stuff like that. And that was from these red-haired giants. The question is, was that a Sasquatch?
0: Mm-hmm. Right. You know,
4: because those were documented stories in the lore of, I think the, um, I think it was the Winnemuccas. And, um, you know, those the, the tribes are the Paiute or the Shoshones, you know, they're in that, that part of the Great Basin.
1: Yeah, I guess also if you truly believe that they're interdimensional beings, right?
0: Right. Yeah. They go to they Are they, are they from else.
1: here? Do they come here to visit, to help out, to assist? You know, what happens when they die? That makes things a lot more complicated.
4: That's right. That's right. Yeah, and there's, you know, and I think we fully know about three percent of the universe yeah oh. for sure
1: mm-hmm. yeah. And
4: so and so we've got so much to learn there and that's why scientifically it's hard to dismiss it because of the fact that we know so little of that whole that whole realm of science right we're learning but not not there yet
1: <laughs> yeah so in your book uh, sasquatch communicates telepathically do you believe this is how it, they really communicate and and why
4: you know, the thing is that it could actually be that they speak in the native tongue. And so when they get together with, with one of the shamans and the guy's standing there, and when he sings a song of introduction, you know, he's not singing that like 60s pop. You know, he's singing that like, you know, basically in that native tongue, whatever that, you know, whatever that lingua franca is. And that Sasquatch having a relationship with those shamans is going to talk. I mean, I believe that they can talk to him. And, you know, Ron Moorhead and his Sierra Sounds can get on it pretty good. Um, And I mean, if you want a little epiphany moment there, when I heard one of them, I kind of went in a tizzy because I remember three years before I had my encounter, I was up at the high mountain lake and, you know, at the big peak and, and so forth in front of me. And I heard that and i blew it off at the time as like a coyote but it just shook me to my soul like what the hell was mm-hmm. that <laughs> <laughs> boom silence you know um and i just to this day i couldn't figure it out and then when i heard his tape i went oh my god that was it
0: a lot and- of people who have had encounters say that they say that it the moments just freeze you and even right. if you're not even if you're not hearing sasquatch at the time just you can feel the presence because it just freezes you in your tracks.
4: Well, it's so much different. You know, I mean, it's not like a coyote howling or a bear growling or something like this. OK, that's something we can relate to. Oh, bear, you know, but this was what was that? Mm-hmm. You know, And it just it, it came out of the blue. And um, and I was the only one there and um, and these things, I mean, what would have happened if I would have spoke back to him and basically called them in, you know, um, and that's kind of the ability of what the shamans can do.
0: So you had talked about Ron Moorhead and and Ron Moorhead was a guest on Love from the Hip and shared his quantum aspect of Bigfoot. And mm-hmm. do you believe that because we're in nature, people who are in nature are more inclined to see Bigfoot, it's because we are elevating our consciousness at that frequency to be able to see this multi-dimensional being?
4: It could be. I mean, it could be that also that the multidimensional being picks up on you, and is willing to expose himself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, it could be also. You know, there's kind of a side story back to the little people. Is that is, there's a great story about Olive Steinbeck, who was who was Thomas Steinbeck's. Um, that was his grandmother, and that was John Steinbeck's mom, living there in these inner valleys by the Santa Lucia range basically a school teacher riding back and forth over one pass and she would leave these little little trinkets and stuff like this and then return there'd be this beautiful array of acorns and feathers and and you know things like this. And the thing there is that that information, you know, um you know it's like they were willing to approach her, but they but they still wouldn't reveal themselves. I mean that's why they call them and it dates back into Spanish California, Los Vigilantes Oscuros, known Mm. as the dark watchers
0: yeah interesting story (laughs) yeah
4: yeah, there's some so so there's stuff that dates back you know that goes beyond just just our euro american and and that's what's so fascinating with the native lore is that is that you can't really talk about one without at least bringing mention or paying attention to the other yeah so you mentioned that
1: sasquatch potentially are here to be teachers or giving us information about the future do you think they have other abilities
4: um like
1: abilities that we don't possess outside our own (laughs)
4: yeah okay um they probably i mean obviously they do if they're good enough savvy enough knowing how to be very elusive around us um you know providing something close to zero trust and you know and that's probably for good reason and you know and so and so they must be a very they must be a very advanced being with intelligence to be able to do that, especially given their size. And given the amount of um, you know, the times we might see a footprint or we might actually get a get a glimpse of a sighting of one, you know, and that's that's versus all the people in the monkey suits, you know. Um, and so, and so, you know, with regards to the popularity of this, um. There's nothing worse than going on a Bigfoot expedition and you don't find Bigfoot.
0: A lot of people say that they find Bigfoot when they're not looking for him. (laughs) Right.
4: And then also, you know, like one of my friends brought up, well, Greg, what makes you think you didn't see a young in Mm archetype? Oh, boy, let's get into archetypes. (laughs) And and of course, my rhetorical question back is that do archetypes leave footprints?
0: Mm. Yeah, good one. Now, in your extensive research of native lore, have you then seen the consistencies in regards to the little people and Sasquatch, even just through other names as well?
4: Yes, that's what freaked me out so much about, or, you know, just hitting these epiphanies, you know, in my research and then what I personally experienced, you know, and reading in the lore that, yeah, you see the salamander, you know, and then and then he's the one that he's the one that opens the gate.
0: It puts more of your skepticism to rest. I love that. Yeah, it
4: does. <laughs> And, you know, I couldn't in in my right mind, I mean, unless I had a backdrop of a bunch of bonds, um, be able to tell the story with clarity because of the fact that, I mean, this this is their belief system, right. you know, and, and it's up to us to really just respect. Um, Yeah, I was out at a ceremony or it was a thing out with this weird moon that happened in June out here in Joshua Tree. And there was a Serrano elder, And he said, yeah, little people. Yeah, definitely. This Mm -hmm. wasn't like, well, maybe. And sometimes. No, this was for sure.
0: (laughs) Well, with that, we're going to take another break. But everyone stick around for more Go Beyond the Veil.
3: The passing of our loved ones always proves to be very challenging, but can be met with ease when working with someone who can hold space, S-U-T-T-E-R
2: A health crisis is one of the most challenging situations we will experience in our lifetime. It leaves us frightened, confused, and asking, why did this happen to me? Transformational coach Rory Reich experienced his healing crisis when the life he had so carefully constructed came crumbling down around him. The universe had offered him a challenge. He chose to accept it and to rediscover who he was before it was too late. In his book, Transform Yourself Through Disease, Rory shares his personal journey alongside eight practical steps to help those who are stuck realize their self-impairing beliefs and discover ways of transforming them so they can reclaim their health and create the life of their dreams. Don't let your health crisis define you. Take the next step and transform yourself today. For a free life coaching consultation, contact Rory at RoryReich.com. That's R-O-R-Y R-E-I-C-H. Dot com.
3: Protection. Call 206 730 7429 or go to Sakura Skin
0: Welcome back to another Love from the Hip Presents Go Beyond the Veil. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, intuitive energy healer, and your host, Sakura Sutter.
1: And I'm transformational coach, author, and your host, Roy Reich. Today we have the pleasure of having author, research historian, and Sasquatch enthusiast, Greg Walter, on our show. So, Greg, with all of our advancements in technology, why do you think it is still impossible to get a clear shot of Bigfoot on film?
4: I think they do not want to be photographed. And I think they just probably see it as a piece of technology that they want to avoid. Um, And it's just, uh, it's not part of their world and you know it's almost like um like for instance one of my friends lives on a place that is a um that's a native american um a village site you know pit houses and stuff and i said hey can i take a picture he said nope do not take any photographs and um why did he tell me that i honored it but you know um and so it's just something that i've known this guy for 40 some years and he lives about six air miles from where i had my encounter hmm. sorry no knocks in the night no screams you know he doesn't leave apples out for him nothing <laughs> not a, you know um and that's probably because you have to go to them and then once you're there they come to you hmm. you know if you're if you're in that right mode and, and you know right space
0: yeah the um, the olympic project had expressed that they know that the cameras are there so, right, yeah.
1: Right. yeah. it Also, uh, it keeps me going back to this whole interdimensionality aspect. Mm-hmm. Right. Like if you could truly cross back and forth, then you choose when you want when they want to come here and interact in the environment yeah. and when they don't. And so
0: our iPhone technology isn't there yet.
1: Maybe it just doesn't it doesn't pick up that high frequency. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. It's like capturing
0: a ghost. <laughs> now, right. do, you, do you believe that Sasquatch are nomads?
4: I, you know, I think they probably inhabit like a certain area. And I think once again, back to the little people, why are they so sad? And one of the reasons for that is because if they live, you know, purportedly, they live two to 3000 years. Well, if you think about the average lifespan of a shaman or doctor or whatever you want to call them, that's 50 to 100 years. And so they're cycling through these guys throughout their own life. Mm-hmm. And that makes them very sad because they build close relationships with, you know, this, this person of man that, that honors their, their world that honors them. And, you know, and then, and then they lose them.
0: Now do you and think so, the Sasquatch are sad then too?
4: I think they could be if, if they, if they build that relationship, you know, and that, that probably takes time and you know a, a lot of trust. I mean, there's, there's a lot going on there that, that these things, you know, can immediately pick up on, you know, whether you're a good person or a bad one.
0: Now, do you, do you believe Sasquatch has leaders or chooses a leader?
4: They might. I mean, that's, that's also, you know, I'm not sure of their hierarchy. I write about that in the books, just to have yeah. fun with it. But, um, but I, you know, as far as what their, what, what their sort of family structure is and, and how they function, I mean, that can be all over the map, you know, um, and there's there's a lot of people that crazy um, (laughs) that that write about this where, you know, they feed them apples and they visit them all the time and they go to the planet and, you know, hang out on lounge chairs. Um, I I think
0: I had asked Ron. Yeah, because Dr. Stephen Greer is all about bringing the aliens to you right through meditation and consciousness. I asked him, "Well, do you bring Bigfoot to you?" He's like, "Why would I want to do that?" <laughs> so now you call them Ridgewalkers. Is that correct, Sasquatch? And why do you call them Ridgewalkers?
4: Oh, um, that is an interesting story. Um, that actually, that actually is um, it's it's referred to in some of the ethnology and some of the cultural ethnology work um and you know and it's and it's kind of referred to more or less the um the apprentices that go up and you know people that go up to these sacred areas and um and what they're doing but it's also it was it it really comes down to also like a form of transportation you know where you go up on the ridges Mm -hmm. um great example klamath river 1860s the cavalry show up or the or the u.s army guys and they run into this band of natives and they said, well, we're going to go to your village and we'll go around the river and et cetera, et cetera. We'll be at your village in about three days. And they kind of look at each other and go, well, OK, whatever, mm-hmm. you know. And, um, so so the army guys take off. Well, the band, they just head up on a like a finger ridge to the main ridge, drop down the other finger ridge there at the village in eight hours. <laughs> you know, yeah,
0: the that, the Olympic uh, project had called them Ridge Apes and. And they say it's because they live along the ridges and it gives them the best vantage point. So just like you were saying, they're then able to see anything coming as well as all of their food. <laughs>
4: right, right. Well, it's very smart, you know, because because the ridge lines provide that, that mode of transportation. That's why you get game trails up there that are very active and also crossover trails right. where they go from one drainage to the other. Mm-hmm. So do you ever think there'll be a day when Bigfoot will not only become more visible, but also
1: have more of a relationship with humankind?
4: That would be nice, and that would be welcome. I think that that's up to humankind to want to be receptive to what what the poor critter might have to say. Um, you know, I don't know. You know, that's, a, that's kind of a tricky one because, you know, um, building a relationship or something like that, it's probably like a lifetime of, of duty and service mm. um, it's sort of like dedicating your life to the vatican <laughs> you know um yeah you know.
1: yeah i mean it's interesting i feel like as, as a species we've gotten farther and farther away from nature you because know?
0: we've gotten further away from ourselves so. yeah so yeah it feels yeah. like we're as kind heard.
1: of heading in the opposite direction right now but maybe maybe we'll we'll, we'll make a u-turn soon <laughs>
4: yeah. well, that's a that's a that's a cultural you know topic of query.
0: <laughs> so how can our listeners learn more about you and your book? Where can they find it?
4: Oh, um, I have a website, www.theridgewalkers.com. I also am on Amazon. And also, if they wish to contact me directly by email, they can do that. Um, okay. I'm at gregwalter.author. And also, I'm also on Facebook, Greg Walter Insurance. And then and then also Greg Walter, author um, with Ridgewalkers and playing around on all the Bigfoot sites and having fun with that.
0: And can you share the title of your book one more time?
4: Sure. It's Ridgewalkers in two worlds, and it just came out this year and. um, And so. So, yeah, it's I more or less wrote this to to format it around a screenplay. And so, you know, to have that kind of pace and tempo you know, going on within the story. And so it's a, it was fun. It was a great, great project. And, um,
0: (laughs) well, thanks for being here today and sharing all of your wisdom on Sasquatch and the little people.
4: Yeah.
1: Thank you so much, Greg. Thank you. Thank you both. Keep up your great work.
0: (laughs) Thank you. And thank you to our amazing producer, Eric, and you, the listener, KKNW, Timber Country, and Cape Town Zone Radio.
1: Don't forget to subscribe and like our podcast, Go Beyond the Veil, anywhere you can find podcasts.
0: And did you love the show? Let us know and follow us and like us on Facebook and Instagram and tell your friends. You can find me at sakurasetter.com.
1: You can find me at roryreich.com. Tune in every second Wednesday of each month here on KKNW at 2 p.m. Every second Sunday on KBKW and on Zone Radio for more, Go Beyond the Veil, where we make spiritual Spiritual sense.
0: sense. Peach fuzz is great, if it's on a peach. Let Sakura Skin and Mind remove unsightly hair with dermaplaning. Although its primary purpose is to remove layers of dead skin, it's just one of the added benefits, leaving your skin baby smooth, safe, effective, fast, and affordable. What a concept! Sakura Skin and Mind wants you to look your very best, and dermaplaning is just one tool in their chest. Find out about dermaplaning at sakuraskinandmind.com. S-A-K-U-R-A, skinandmind.com. We bring out the healthy skin and healthy way of thinking you didn't know you had. Your skin is your body's largest organ. Care for it properly, starting with your face. Sakura Skin and Mind offers several clinical facial treatments to help stimulate collagen production,
2: eliminate toxins, boost circulation, and deeply cleanse. See a new you
0: in your mirror. Clinical facials range from... 90 dollars and up do your face a favor sakura skin and mind erasing wrinkles one clinical facial at a time learn more sakuraskinandmind.com s-a-k-u-r-a skinandmind.com